What's going on, football fans? It's time for another edition of the Pound for Pound. I'm your host, J.R. Clark. And today we get to talk about a Falcons win streak. We are now on a three-game win streak after the road win up in our nation's capital. It's a tune of 38-14 against the Washington Redskins, who were coming in, uh, you know, 5-2 and two and uh, a top-ranked defense on, on their own. They had held some of the higher rushers of the league this year to minimal gains, you know, the likes of Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I think they held them all under 20 or 30 yards. And, uh, you know, they were boasting a, uh, a run game powered by the rejuvenated attack of Adrian Peterson, who apparently has found the fountain of youth again up there in Washington, which uh, has been strange to see. I mean, he was just a few yards shy of having five games of over 100 yards for the first time in quite a while. So uh, it was going to be a interesting task for our beleaguered, beat-up defense that uh, is really starting to gel. I mean... You take the performance of, you know, Monday night against the Giants, and we all kind of said, well, I mean, it's the Giants, you know. They have Eli quarterbacking and and uh, couldn't get much of anything going anyway, so wasn't really taking into account their defensive performance that Monday night. But you had, a, you know, a, an average to above average offense and Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson with Washington, and our boys held them to just 14 points. I mean, I think they held Adrian Peterson to like 20-something yards. So that's uh, it's showing me something that I was wondering if we were going to see. And that is if the, this defense was going to start to gel. You know, communication is so important in the game of football that you throw in, you know, new people at every level of the defense <laughs> and you start to wonder how the communication is going to break down or you know come through is it going to break down or are they going to start to gel and it seems like this defense is starting to gel which is really cool to see you know I give credit to Dan Quinn and Marcon Manuel and and those guys for getting these guys up to speed as quick as they have and I'm talking about guys like DeMonte Casey and uh, Sherrod Neesman, who they brought back, and Bruce Carter, who they picked up off of, you know, the, the pile, the trash heap, so to speak. And, you know, getting these guys in and getting them playing, and you're seeing a potential, you know, diamond in the rough, you know, seventh, you know, sixth round pick in Foyer Lucanu, you know, actually earning some more playing time because he's just playing really smart. And, you know, he's that hybrid-type player, you know, safety linebacker that Dan Quinn loves. So it doesn't surprise me that he's taking up a bigger role. And it's, you know, possibly because he just wants it more. I'm not sure, but, you know, you would like to see Duke Riley step up. But I just, I guess it's not really going to happen, you know. But, I mean, we are just in the second year of Duke Riley. He could still pull it together, but... I mean, not everybody's going to be a Deion Jones, that much is for sure. 
But anyway, back to the game at hand. Uh, this was the most complete game that the Falcons have played in 2018. I mean, we pretty much dominated from word go. And that was very nice to see. I didn't know if this team was capable of doing that. But to do that on the road where they haven't played good on the road so far this year, two of their worst losses came on the road to Pittsburgh and to Philly. To go on the road and put up a performance like that really reminds me of the uh, the second game of a few years back when we went out to Oakland and just turned it on, you know, <laughs> kind of what that what that game felt like to me. So let's hit on some uh, some interesting stuff that I saw after rewatching the game last night. For the first time that I can remember, uh, or at least in a while, the the screen games worked really well yesterday. I mean, the offensive guards were getting out to the second level, you know, running 20 yards downfield, putting blocks on people. Um, Jake Matthews absolutely crushed Josh Norman on that Julio Jones touchdown. And, yes, I said a Julio Jones touchdown. Everybody can finally calm down a little bit. The supposed monkey is off of Julio Jones' back. He scored a touchdown. Um, and let's just let's just pause there and talk about that for a second. How nice is it to have a true superstar wide receiver be as little drama field as Julio Jones is? Yes, you had the instance you know over the summer where he was asking for some more money, and I honestly believe that was just due to people who were nowhere near as good as him making more than him. And he's like, come on, dog, you know, y'all can break me off a little bit more. I took it down to the wire, but the team did and got him in camp and everything's fine. Everybody's tripping, you know, because Julio Jones wasn't getting any touchdowns up until this point. And I guess, you know, fine, you have a right to trip if you want to. But that ain't never really been Julio Jones' game. He's not a touchdown machine in that sense. He eats up yards. I mean, he's responsible for the vast majority of our offense, and because of that, he gets so many eyes and so much coverage on him that whether it's Matt Ryan's reluctance to throw into real tight coverages in the red zone or what, I don't know, but he just doesn't get a ton of looks in the end zone. So to see him break that that little screen pass you know, 30-something yards for a touchdown was awesome. You know, and seeing the block from Jake Matthews, which, you know, uh, the play design had, you know, Ryan rolling to his right, faking a handoff, which gave enough time for Jake Matthews to get out to the second level and toss that, you know, ball, you know, back, you know, stop, turn, toss the ball back to... Julio Jones and him take that thing as, you know, 30-something yards that he did and shake off ha-ha Clinton Dix that everybody wanted us to trade for, uh, shake him off to get into the end zone, that was a really good play. <laughs> so that that was something that, that I really was glad to see. Not only did it get the monkey off of Julio Jones' back, it gave the rest of Falcon Nation kind of like, you know, okay, you can breathe now. 
kind of like when an undefeated team gets beaten. You know, you can kind of, okay, we don't have that pressure on us anymore. Now we can just go out there and play. It wouldn't surprise me to see in the next few weeks Jones rip off a few more touchdowns because sometimes when you start pressing, you know, it can make things harder. So when it finally does happen, it's like a breakthrough. You know, you break through the wall. But uh, let's talk about some of the some of the other stuff. Well, you know what? Back to back to Jones for a second. It was really cool to see how the entire team like lost their mind and w- was congratulating Jones for the touchdown. That shows you that this brotherhood thing that you always hear about is real. Okay, I mean Josh Harris, our long snapper, tweeted out, "I would have been over there jumping and high fiving, but I had to get ready for a snap." You know, so. That shows you that this team really does play for each other. And that whole brotherhood mentality isn't just a talking point. It's, you know, true to it. They are true to their word on how that this is a brotherhood. And that is really cool to see. And you see it in moments like that. So, that, that let's put that to bed, you know, for for more than just a talking point. You know what I'm saying? Now, now another play that I want to bring up is um you know calvin ridley his play yesterday he gave you the quintessential rookie ups and downs right he drops a ball that he should have had it was hit him right in the numbers and he didn't catch it that sucks the more egregious thing was running the wrong route and you could definitely tell that ridley ran the wrong route on that because ryan threw the ball before ridley even made his break okay so Ridley was supposed to cut and go in front of the face of uh, Dunbar, but he didn't. He cut it to the outside. Or was, it, was it Dunbar or Swearinger? One of the two. I can't remember now. But the fact that, you know, when Ryan released the ball, you could see that he, he was really counting on Ridley to be on the inside of, that, of the defender, not cutting towards the pylon. So... That really sucks, but that's but that's a rookie mistake. And to show you that we have more than just you know a typical wide receiver, it's almost like you know he wanted to make up for it, and you know that he took that little slant pass forty-two yards to the house. And that's something that I hadn't seen anybody do anything like that since. I mean, I hate to say the guy he replaced Taylor Gabriel, you know, running like that. So, it was really good to see, you know, Ridley get back in the end zone. He was hot there for the first part, you know, the first couple games of the season. Then he got injured, you know, a little ankle injury. And he seemed to take him a minute to kind of get back into it. So, it was good to see him, you know, really getting back in the game plan this week. Um, And I think we can officially put the whole fire Sark thing to bed. At least I hope we can. Um, he seems to be much more comfortable on the sideline than he was up in the booth. I think if there's a bigger improvement to this year, as much as you can point at Greg Knapp being up in the booth calling things for him, I think the uh, the more obvious thing is that Sark is on the sidelines where he's more comfortable. I mean, he stated that last year, but... You know, he did what Dan Quinn wanted him to do, which was be up in the booth. I think Dan Quinn got, you know, used to that, but that's where Shanahan liked to be. So, 
you know, I think, you know, Quinn was like, okay, well, that's where the OC needs to be. Well, this particular OC likes to be on on the ground talking to his guys, feeling everybody out and seeing what they're like and then hearing what they're seeing. Now, him being on the sideline, he can get direct information from Sanu and Ridley and the backs, you know, Tevin and Ito and, and you know, Ryan himself and, and really get what they're seeing out there and translate it into his game plan. And you can you can really see that that's starting to to work really well this year, and, and I hope that's something they continue to do. Now, something else I hope they continue to do is getting the backs involved coming out of the backfield, catching passes. I mean, somebody, uh, I think it was Alan Sturk, if you guys follow him on Twitter, he writes for the Falcoholic. He said, you know, that really reminded him of the Denver game from a couple years back on the Super Bowl run where couldn't get anything going other than Tevin Coleman catching passes coming out of the backfield. You know, and that, that did have that feeling of that Denver game. So I was uh, I was really glad to see them getting Tevin and Ito involved in the pass game because those are another, you know, reliable outlets. When we were doing really well, part of what made that offense deadly was, you know, Devontae and Tevin coming out of the backfield catching passes catching little five you know five yard wheel routes and taking them 40 to the house you know which Tevin did I mean he took a you know that little tunnel screen pass and just took it straight to the house and that was great great to see that deal so uh, that's what I wanted to say about that and as far as you know uh, I'm really I'm really enjoying this combination of Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith I mean Edo Smith brings that power that you don't necessarily expect because, I mean, he's only 195 pounds. But he runs like he's 220. And I like it. I like the way he runs. He runs very similar to Devontae. Um, and that really is going to bring up an interesting question about what they're going to do this offseason. You know, with Devontae, with Devontae being injured yet again, uh, it just makes, makes you wonder, are they going to try to figure out a way to keep Tevin Coleman and just have him and Edo Smith carry the backfield. So yeah, that's gonna be gonna be real interesting this offseason. And uh uh sorry about that. So yeah, that like I said, that's gonna be an interesting question that they're gonna have to answer. We're getting real close to getting uh Deion Jones back, and I think that's obviously going to definitely improve our linebacking core that um, is starting to improve now with the more playtime of uh, Alukanu. You know, that's uh, making for a real interesting uh, case. So, I mean, I could easily see by the end of this season, you know, when uh, Dion comes back, that your three linebackers are going to be Dion Jones, Devondre Campbell, and Foyer Lucanu. And you'll have just Duke Riley coming off the bench when somebody needs a spell. And if that's the case, that's fine. I'm fine with that. I think it's a uh, shows the drafting prowess of this team that they can find somebody, you know, down in the sixth and seventh rounds that can contribute. That's real good. That's how you build championships. That's how you keep teams going. The interesting thing to look forward or look for in the coming days is 
do the Falcons uh, go after, claim, whatever you want to call it, Bruce Irvin, who's been cut by the Raiders. We could use some more pass rush help with almost sack Beasley being almost sacking people, which means he's not sacking people. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if they really kicked the tires on Bruce Irvin. So that should be interesting in the coming days. And uh, So, you know, we got Cleveland coming up next week. That's a winnable game. You got Dallas and the Ravens coming up. Both of those are winnable games. So we could potentially be 7-4 and four going into the Saints game on Thursday night. If I have my math right, I'm, I don't have the schedule in front of me. I'm uh, sitting in a Kroger parking lot waiting on a, my brother-in-law to get off work. So I apologize if y'all hear some some noise. Trying to get this stuff recorded with a busy life is interesting. I know some of y'all know what I mean by having you know busy busy life. So uh, anyway, so Bruce Irvin is one to watch for on the waiver wire for like you know actual football, not fantasy. Uh, I'd be interested to see if the Falcons outright claim him or if they try to bring him in and work out a deal. Either way, he could provide some some steady, you know, pass rush uh, in the lieu of Beasley, you know, not necessarily lightning on fire. So, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, they they put themselves back in the hunt, which is what you wanted. In a lot of ways, is all you can really ask for. Uh, and you know, as a fan, just for your team to be consistent and be in the conversation. And they're well on their way of putting themselves in the conversation. So keep it up, and hopefully we'll be talking about playoff football for too long. As always, Falcons fans, rise up.